Hello and welcome to Coffee Lovers Radio. Just here with Jesse Nelson, and I am like six coffees in. Yeah, I've been drinking on the same cup for yep. two weeks now. Two weeks now. Yeah. Fill, fill me up the last bit of this. Look at that. There's no sediment in there. Yeah, there's it's, a little bit. Yeah, there's tons. There's it's, it's still a French press. Mm. Ooh. A lot of spice comes out in this one. It's really interesting. Hmm. We should do this more often, like just drink one brew throughout a month of shows. I think that's a really fun theme. It, yeah, talk about how it changes. Hmm. Well, that would be a really fun common denominator for a set of shows. Is like, what are they going to say about the coffee is a cool? So I think that's, that'd be hilarious. And yeah. Well, we're kind so, of doing it now. It's 2018! It's going to be like two months into it by the time this show goes yep. out. But you know what? Whatever. You know what? SCA is next month. Like... SCA back in Seattle. Yeah, April. Um, so, yeah, it's 2018. Exciting. There's all sorts of stuff happening. Conduit's slammed. We got some really cool stuff happening and can't quite talk about, but I'm kind of in a similar situation. Out a lot going on. is coming up in April. Um, we're Conduit's hosting the Mavam party again, the espresso machine company, Mavam. Mm -hmm. So, that's going to be a lot of fun. Then we have our, our sixth anniversary. And there's a really a lot to look forward to for this year coming yeah. ahead. But it comes from a lot of uh, a lot of good foundation building in the past, and that's for sure. I wanted to kind of talk to you about that, like, yeah, what happened in 2017 that maybe rocked your coffee world, and what's going to happen in the I've future. Been, that I've been thinking a lot about uh, the state, uh, it's kind of the state of coffee, basically, where um, oh, state of the cup, state. This is the st state of the cup. Da -da -da -da. Ooh, I'm going to tweet that. <laughs> state of the cup mm -hmm. basically as so I, I published the magazine about coffee coffee lovers magazine and um i've got you know readers all over the world and it, i mean my focus is a little bit you know on a broader perspective so i'm always just kind of looking at how people are thinking and talking about coffee like especially but ultimately it's the consumers that you're right in. well especially mm -hmm. my customers and my readers right. like what are they interested in why are they doing what they're doing um, why? Why do people? Buy why is the they doing what they do? <laughs> why? Why are you buying the coffee lovers box? Why do you subscribe to the magazine? Like, why don't? Why don't you do? It other baffles me. I do. Yeah, it baffles me why people give me money. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, then they also listen to this podcast and they're probably laughing at this moment, which is also confusing to me. Um, but that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Anyways, um, it's been fun to me watching the big trends like last year cold brew just kind of exploded everywhere. everywhere and everyone's now talking cold brew yep. and you can go to like a fast food chains and get cold brew which uh, previously and the reason why it's fascinating to me is i think it it marks a shift in um a broader perspective of thinking about coffee mm -hmm. differently. They're making like, better cold thinking coffee. Thinking about how the coffee is made and what that means to the end result. Right. Like, coffee can taste different depending on how you make it. Like, the idea of that is foreign to most... Well, it's foreign to the economics of a lot of the big That's restaurants and, and the ways that mm -hmm. most people are consuming coffee, most coffees consumed. Like, it's a foreign thing to that to worry about. Right. Different brew methods and different... Uh, but even just from the average customer like mm -hmm. it, it's it's mind-blowing the first time someone has a cold brew and i think that's a wonderful experience oh yeah we get asked all the time we're going to do a nitro thing this this summer mm. got my looking at my keg tap over there we're gonna get the gotcha yep. 
Um, it's in that pile over there. I promise. <laughs> I promise. And uh, I'm also really, really fascinated by by Starbucks and what they're doing. Um, I, I love what they do on the big scale, uh, and they're I mean they're a wonderful company, wonderful people. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm love not you, the, Francis. I'm not the biggest fan of of the way they roast their coffee, but you know that's that's just the path that they choose. But their yep. their whole step towards reserve is that's where coffee is going. It's just like yeah. how special it is. Well, and, and there and, and Starbucks is really going to help the small roasters like us and small cafes mm-hmm. rather that that need to charge more for the coffee because yeah. the coffee's better. Like yeah. the farmers are getting paid a whole lot more. They're putting a lot more effort into it. It's a much better product than we do all of our magic here. And then we scrape the crumb off. And <laughs> um, <laughs> but 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 so many people get so what 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 the reserve is doing sure. is they're creating another tier of coffee. Yeah. And they're creating in in the, and it's a, in it's the overall about, social perspective. It's about time that people yeah. understand that there can be coffee that's seven dollars a cup or yeah. whatever, a Chemex for ten, twelve dollars. And, you know, and, and the like, Yemen that we talked about in the last show, that's also contributing. Like when yep. you had these stories of oh this Yemen coffee is eighteen dollars for a cup and people are like that's crazy but then they spend the money on it and they have it and they're like oh my gosh I'm so glad I did that right like it does matter I would like to hear from somebody that regretted spending eighteen dollars on that cup of Yemen did did you regret that did you I, I actually didn't go to Blue Bottle and spend eighteen dollars no I bought a, I bought a three and a half thousand dollar bag of it oh okay. oh yeah that's true I did. <laughs> I, I did buy from blue bottle i gotta um, drink the the leftover out of the batches because blue bottle sold them roasted so i did get a six ounce bag of one that's of right. those yemens for like 85 dollars. yeah i'm so glad i did that oh my gosh it's uh i mean so i'm, I'm not getting fast that forward a few month, years <laughs> but this was two years ago yeah or even a year ago it was so they're in their second we're going back to yemen even though we talked about them last week but it's so good they're in their second shipment i think yeah their second major shipment yeah, we got our bag three years ago because it was on the first shipment that they that, air that wasn't, freighted that out. That wasn't Port of Mocha. So your coffee was from a different exporter, and that coffee had already been that coffee had right already before, out of yeah, yeah, before yeah. all this stuff went down. So I'm talking specifically about right. Port of Mocha. This is their second major shipment right now, I think. Right. Anyways, uh, back to the trends and all that sort of thing. Blue Yemen, bottle. Also, Yemen is going to get better this year. I think. I think that there's yeah. there's going to be a big breakthrough in the peace talks, and that Yemen's going to fix itself. So. That's a trend I'm looking for. It's a really sad state. It would be there. beautiful to see uh, coffee have a major influence on that, too. I okay. don't know how much of an influence that it has in terms of the economics of Yemen right now. Uh, not nearly as much as hand pow- hand-powered or uh, rocket-powered grenades. Yeah. Hand-powered grenades. Hand-powered grenades. Those also... Not quite as big of a market, but, you know, they're good for the kids. Uh, um, I mean, there's, there's so many trends in coffee, and there's so many things yeah. to consider. I think that... I mean, the fact that Blue Bottle has so much money poured into it as well is, like, a major well, yeah. indicator. But um, on the smaller scale, uh, you were talking about something that fascinated you last year, which also interested me as well. <laughs> we share opinions. Um, no, we don't. So, I mean, there's a lot about trends that I'm excited about, but yeah. it's rare that something kind of blows my mind. It's like, mm. how did that, like, that is, that is trend-setting. Yeah. I'm not sure and, that's going to turn into a trend because it's so... Oh, it is. Like, I mean, for people that want that experience and they get it, you know, I mean, I, it's going to turn into a way that I appreciate. Anyway, so anyways, what I'm talking about is Tim Wendelbo. Love that awkward guy. He has decent is coffee. Is he awkward? Yeah, he's Scandinavian. <laughs> I've met him. He's not an awkward fella. Oh, yeah, he's not Dutch, but he's close. We love you, Tim. Really do. I do, anyways. Yeah. Jesse does, too. 
Norwegians are goofy people, and I love their language, and it's so fun to hear them speak and just... I would love to learn that language. There are many languages mm-hmm. I'd love to learn. Anyway, anyway so Tim Wendelbo, uh, he was the one of the one of the resident uh, coffee roasters at the La Marzocco home, the KXP here in Seattle, the radio station with the La Marzocco Cafe. They do residencies every 46 weeks. They bring a different roaster in. And That's Tim Wendelbo had his... It was over SEA last year. Yeah, I think. so yeah. it was almost a year ago. Yeah, and he uh, so he had his residency there. And from Oslo, Norway, it's just amazing coffee. And he's been... At least twelve years ahead of the trend. Yeah, he's he was 80s. also he was one of the, the first people to own a farm um, and have that full traceability. Like, so he's one of the people who really got me into coffee as well. So that that was that was five years ago, and and Tim was like really focused on improving the quality of coffee at the farm by by like paying upfront to upgrade the farm. This was like revolutionary at the time. Yeah. And he was well into it at this yeah. point. I mean, he was 10 years in on this farm project. I think, yeah, exactly. started, I think it started, I want to, I don't know. It started in the 90s, I believe, 98 or something. But um, anyway, so he has his, has had his residency at KEXP, La Marzocco, and there's a lot of things that he put his foot down on, which is what's cool about that residency program is that they all the roasters get to dictate what drinks are on the menu and all that kind of stuff. And so, how they're served. Exactly. Yeah. If they want, you know, blenders, sugar, things like that, or none. And if you're Tim Wendelbo, it's only black coffee. And there's different coffees for espresso, there's different coffees for Americanos, and then he had a couple different coffees and, for and he was all, They were very specific about how to prepare everything, too. Like oh, yeah, yeah, Everything yeah. was done exactly as and it so was then, And it all kind of made sense when you got the cup. And, it, you know, the for here cup of it, because they had different shapes, depending mm-hmm. on the coffee. And so um, I'm going to keep the names out because I don't want to misspeak, but it was a coffee that was big and juicy and... It was a real wide mouth, kind of deep cup. And so when you took a sip, it just kind of flushed across your whole tongue. And you got the full, big, juicy palate, like, right across all those receptors in your tongue and mouth, which was delicious. And then the other coffee, I believe it was a Columbia, was in a two-up, right? So it's it's large on the bottom and smaller at the top. So you really had a, it was, you really had to tip your head back to, to yeah, drink quite, out quite of it. quite angular, that one was. Right, you had, so you had a tip, which meant that all the coffee came out in a very pointed stream right in the center and back of your tongue, so you had just those receptors hitting the coffee first. And so the the porcelain, the, the serving ware, actually really accented and, and improved the, the quality of the cup in that mm-hmm. experience. And well, I, and and that, that just changed it. Like, I sat there, and I took the coffees, and I had them in all the different cups. Like, right. I would compare one coffee, and, and, and like, it's it was... It was mind astonishing. It's completely different coffee. Yep. It tasted like yep, just from being in a different shape cup. Exactly, like no other difference, and it tasted like it. Yeah, it blew my mind. So I that was that was one of my most favorite things of twenty seventeen. Okay. I actually so I pulled up the cups on here. I want to um, just read off what it what it says. So this is the I, okay. I'm gonna try to pronounce these, and you can laugh at my butchered pronunciation. Pronunciation. Figio, Figio, <laughs> Oslo cups. Um, Oslo. Why'd you put Oslo in quotes? Because it's in quotes on the site. Oh, Oslo. <laughs> we like had Perth. We it doesn't <laughs> exist. We have been we have <laughs> been part of developing the Oslo Cup series from Figio, Figio, together with designer Kristen Hearns. Okay, no, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> I'm gonna stop. From physical design. There are three different cups in the series, Tulip, Split, and Open. Uh, so Tulip is designed for coffees with lower acidity like typical bourbons. 
from El Salvador, Brazil, or Indian coffees. So I think that is the angular one that you were talking about, right? right? Too um, the cone-shaped cup enhances more earthy aromas and gives you an impression that the coffee is very sweet as the liquid enters the mouth in a narrow stream, as you were describing. Split is designed, I think, uh, yeah, split is the one that has like the two sort of bubbles. It's like it bubbles up and then goes in and then goes out again. Right. Um, yeah, it was, it's almost like a, like a sake container. Split is designed for coffees with intense fruity and floral aromas and bright acidity. Mm, Typically, we use these cups for our Kenyan and Ethiopian coffees. The unique design enhances the aromatics when you smell the coffee in the cup, and the wide shape makes the liquid enter your mouth with a wider spread so that you perceive acidity more clearly. Cool. Are you, is this timwendelbo.com? Yeah. Uh, timwendelbo.no. Oh, Norway. I'll link in the uh, show descriptions. Tim Wendell Bono. Uh, the third one, open, is more of an all-around cup. The classic, <laughs> it's a cup. It's, a cup. <laughs> it's just a the cup. Cl- <laughs> the classic U shape is a forgiving shape when it comes to taste balance. That's pretty much what it is. It's, 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 a, it's a middle ground. Uh, it's the, uh, we typically use these cups for coffees that ha- have fruity characteristics and medium intense acidity. Uh, the fun part is that you can play around with the different shapes of different coffees and change your perception of how the coffee tastes. Uh, and that is, as we as we said, exactly yeah. how we experience it. So that was that was the 2017 game changer for me in the coffee world. Uh, I, I mean, I would be I would be so pleased to see that. That's I mean, I would love to experiment with that myself, um, and uh, and make that you know those kinds of things or see different, like even more different shapes and experimentations with yep. that kind of thing. Um, it's certainly something that's that's prevalent in like. Uh, Wine connoisseurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, that the shapes. Kind of yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, but a lot of that's for sniffing and the aroma and things like that. As the well. average wine drinker isn't really going to get into that too much, aside from, I mean, I guess I it's pretty cla- it's pretty classic to have like a red wine glass and a white wine glass, like if you yeah. drink wine regularly in your shelf at home. So I could or see, you can be a jerk like me, and I hate stemware, so I really prefer coffee cups to drink my wine. I like stemless wine glasses. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I I really prefer porcelain just a cup yeah all right just just the average cup uh, i have very specific wine cups yeah oh, okay for my average wine for your drinking. Wine. <laughs> i have some sheep red wine at home that's literally the name of it sheep sheep oh sheep red wine <laughs> like dancing goats too much caffeine <laughs> no cheap red wine it tastes like cheap red wine that's the brand yeah that's the brand. yeah it costs big, like five bucks yeah with that big red flavoring compound and it's so good <laughs> There's no hangovers there. So is that your plans for 2018? 2018 <laughs> is that the trend that you want to follow? Cheap is your red cheap wine red wine in a coffee stock market, market index? No. So yeah, it, it it would it would be really cool to see to see more of that yeah. kind of spread. Like right now, if you want those cups, you got to order from Oslo, um, and it ain't cheap to yeah. Set. I feel like they're they're made in Copenhagen, but shipping's probably the same. Yeah. Uh, I mean, regardless, to get them here. So, and I probably will do that at some point just to have him. Uh, well, we we are gonna go bother Francis at some point in Italy, and so you know Copenhagen's just next door to Italy. That's we'll, true. We'll go yeah. there. Yeah. All right, no worries. Climb we up can, and over the Alps. We can record some shows across Europe. We can write off this show as an expense. <laughs> I can write off the magazine. Everything I do. The money's free because we wrote it off. Whatever that means. That's how that works. Oh, it's tax season. Um, So, uh, trends that you're excited about? 2018, coming forward. Um, 
I mean, as far as the as far as the overall goes, just just more of a, a broad shift in in consumers' perspective right. on being curious about the actual taste of coffee and getting into because that's that's what I'm all about is like finding people who have that curiosity and being like, right. try this and watching and watching the this, industry improve out. as yeah. I go. So you know, as competitive it is as Starbucks Reserve kind of doing that stuff, it also is a big education for a lot of people. That's true. And consumer education, especially with how much money good coffee is equated to. Like, it's a, it's a good thing to knowledge. Um, uh, something that I think is really exciting that's uh, going to carry forward is just the level of care at the producer level. Like, at, at where the coffee's coming from and the way that they're processing it. There's, just in the last few years, there's been tremendous science going into that. So we have, uh, like, a, uh, ana- uh, anaerobic fermentation Peru coming. We have a few different micro lots of Perus that mm-hmm. have different processing methods so it's the same coffee just processed differently um, through fermentation I mean there's it's amazing stuff so what we're what we're seeing is that the, the younger generation is seeing what we love here in Seattle or whatever in these coffee markets the consumer markets and they're going back and they're making their geishas they're making their they're really cleaning up their natural process you know they're doing all this crazy stuff because they're seeing that there's consumer demand for it and they know they can sell that so it's really exciting to see that trend of, of at the farm level the coffee improving you know, sure. just the the quality of agriculture and the quality of the experimentation, and they've never given that chance before. Yeah. And on, on a scale that we're talking about, you know, I mean, it's a lot of theories, but they're actually defining this. You know, if they add yeast yeah. and things like that to the washing tank, so you're getting a totally different acidity, different flavor notes coming out of that process, that fermentation. And, and we, I mean, a good example of that that we've already seen is is um, the the Sonora Farm, Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. So they they started doing that, you know, two three years ago. Yeah, and and you've been showing us it three four years ago. Whatever you've been, we've been buying it for three years. Yeah, and um, um, and we just actually just last week. I, I remember when when you first got that Costa Rica and we had it on the table and I'm trying it. and I'm going, is this in Ethiopia? Right. And you're like, no, it's in Costa Rica. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> How is that coming out of Costa Rica? Right. And that's but that's what's amazing. Like spread so much more now. That kind of yep. like just changing how you process the coffee. Yeah, and they're you know they have a real sustainability angle on their coffee, so they're offsetting their energy with wind and solar, and then they're they're using natural processed coffees because there's a lot less water consumed mm-hmm. for that, and so there's a real environmental impact uh, that they're 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 worried about there. But they're also for natural process, they're also really sorting it well so it's very clean and very concise and fudgy and delicious I mean, this, is, this is all also a product of just how connected the world has become like just right. in the past 10 years there's been such a rapid shift in how people connect right I mean Stumptown opened the roaster in Seattle in 2006 so 12 years ago yeah just 12 years ago that business model of having no offense Tim we know you're there first but just 12 years ago, that business model of having separate traceable single origins available in a cafe mm-hmm. on a different brew schedule and public cuppings, like, that's brand new in the coffee world. Like, that is... For the most... I mean, they're, they're definitely... I, I think the whole, you know, direct sourcing from uh, farms and stuff started happening in the early 90s, but... Um, it didn't really. St- I think it took like about right. ten years to really start catching on, and then another ten years for it to, you know, really. Start yeah, it's not like it producers. wasn't. There wasn't traceability in that. Right. And, you know, if you look at Atlas, that was the whole point of Atlas importers starting. Not the whole point, but um, I don't think Craig listens to this, but he should. Um, you know, but really just to help out these regions that he fell in love with, then they were coffee growing regions right. to help them out and have that traceability and have those stories told and. Yeah. You know, it takes a long time to get the financing, get those farmers to sort yeah. their coffee better, well, and, you know, and trees take a few years to grow and, and become productive. So yeah. when you start improving this and then 
I mean, you know, it's several generations of these trees, and then the, you know, I mean, but it's just amazing to me that coffee's changed. Then the whole business model has changed that much true. in 12 years. And uh, if you think about it in the six years that we've been open at Conduit, like, so much has changed. Um, same for me, just in the magazine. Like, it's been five years with the magazine, and uh, almost like every year I feel like um, it, it's, like, new. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Anyways, but another thing that ha- happened last year that was really awesome that's, that's I think, going to start becoming huge, uh, and I don't know how fast it's going to be, but is the shift in certification. So in Ethiopia, the whole certification process of sourcing coffee. Right. So it's now legal. Uh, it's now possible to buy direct from a mill in right. Ethiopia. Yeah. So if Everything you're working always- with a farm, you can... You can track the coffee right. to the mill and then through it, and that's a model that's pretty characteristic of Central and South America. Yeah. It's it's not it's bucking the trend of the co-ops and stuff in Africa. Um, if for twenty years in Ethiopia that hasn't been possible, like you had to go everything through went the through Ethiopian the Ethiopian coffee, coffee exchange. exchange. Yeah, the ECX, and you were not really able to track the coffee through a mill, which is why most Ethiopias are um, just like region generalized. Yeah, I mean, there's washing station and stuff like that, but not necessarily the farmers. And that's the thing is, like, it's such a distributed... Yeah. But it's still, you get a bunch of, like, Ethiopia has so many unique... Yeah, that's why we call them early. Yeah. But now, you're going to be able to go to the farm and specifically track varieties. Mm -hmm. And that's going to make, like, I think we're going to see, in terms of, like, the actual individual coffees, Yemen, like, quality experiences. Really because excited. that's what's happening in Yemen. It's like right. single farm sourced individual varieties, like very specifically. We're going to start seeing that in in Ethiopia uh, really fast. Like yeah. we're already starting to see it pop up here and there. Um, and uh, once that that takes off, I mean, you're going to see roasters everywhere who are like, you know, check out this you know individual farm in Yemen. It tastes yep. like peach schnapps, schnapps, peach pie, whatever. <laughs> I don't know why, but <laughs> too much caffeine. My point is... This tastes like Everclear. <laughs> mm, bitter. You should have scraped the crema off of that. That's going to be a really beautiful thing to watch. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I mean, we I, I shared that a bit of that in, uh, I think, November's issue, Coffee Lovers Magazine. Uh, one, of the, one of the groups that is involved in changing those laws and that uh, has been doing some, like, they... So before, the only way to, to direct source in Yemen, like the farm or the estate or whatever, had to go through a certification process that is prohibitively expensive for most farmers. Yeah. So this. Yeah, it's very much a corporate control um, thing. So they're a coffee, uh, they, they, a coffee consultation company. They've been going to, to Ethiopia for, I think we talked about this on a show last year, because uh, I was really excited about it for that issue. Um, they go to Ethiopia, and they've been working with the farmers and working with the Ethiopian government to change these laws. They made their own co-op to kind of circumvent that. So they gathered a bunch of farmers they were working with. They made their own co-op. They got their own certification for it right. so that they could track through the co-op, the farmers. Right. Um, and they started uh, last year. They, they uh, did did export uh, at least one farmer's very excellent coffee, like single farm sourced, which is pretty exciting. So anyways, we'll see more of that. I don't know. That's all I got. I think my mind's deteriorating now. After drinking three weeks these of French presses for it's three weeks. probably the mold that <laughs> it's we the mold. It's the penicillin poisoning that you're feeling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go take care of that. And then uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be back next week with different coffee this time. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to the trends.
and 2018. Yeah. You have been listening to Coffee Lovers Radio. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Support the producers. Check out Coffee Lovers Magazine at coffeeloversmag.com and download our app. Also get yourself some fantastic coffee from Conduit Coffee at conduitcoffee.com.